Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, living life to the full in challenging times, part Two. That's what I want to speak on today. And you know, when you read that title or you hear that title, you can think, is it possible? Yes, it is. You can live life to the full. It is simply a choice. It is not just something that happens to you. You choose to live and you choose to push through the limiting times to live a limitless life. John chapter 10, let me remind you as we kick off today, Jesus said the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. That's life now and life in eternity. And the NLT says a rich and satisfying life. I'm sure everyone watching today wants a rich and satisfying life and wants to live life to the full. It's a choice you make, but there's something that comes to limit us that we've got to push through. There was a psychologist who was very well known in the state. She's passed away now, Dr. Joyce Brothers. And uh, she was asked this question, what are some of the most basic, deepest psychological needs that you see in human beings today? What is it you're noticing that people really want? And she said this, and I want you to listen carefully. Human beings are capable of so much. Psychologists have found that people use only 10% of their ability. But there are some people who will not stop at 10%. They push the limits to find out what they're capable of doing. Then she says this, those are the happy people. You want to enjoy life to the full? You want to be happy? You've got to push to the limits, not accept what comes your way. You've got to push the limits and you've got to break through. Uh, There's an anonymous quote, and I think it's very true today. Anyone who still thinks the sky is the limit has no imagination. We've got to believe that the sky is not the limit. Space is, the, is not the limit. The God of the universe has designed us to be limitless. And so to live life to the full, she says you've got to push the limits. The Bible reiterates that. And I want to speak to you today on living beyond life's limits. When you live beyond life's limits, that's when you live life to the full. Because you're not confined, you're not restricted. And how many of you know today, life is imposing limits on us. All of us are being restricted and limited in some way. We cannot move around like we used to. We cannot go out at night. We have to wear a mask. We have to uh, limit the distance we speak to people. We can't embrace people. We can't gather as a church. Businesses are limited. Hours of doing business are limited. There there are many limits being imposed on us, and people are feeling restricted. And you say, well, how how do you want to live? Do you want to live life to the full? Is it possible? Yes, it's a choice, because there are limits that come but you have got to resist those limits. Think of people who resisted the limits, the persistent widow that Jesus told a parable of in Luke chapter 18. She kept on praying despite limits, poverty, a woman alone. She kept going to the judge and praying, and guess what? She got what she asked for, and Jesus encourages us to pray and to push through limits. Jabez, born limited, restricted, in pain, but he prays to the God of heaven, you bless me, enlarge my territory, your hand would be upon me, keep me from pain, and the limits were removed. Why? Because he pushed against the limits. We've got to be people who don't allow our environment to hold us captive. 
A man by the name of Mark Kane, he's an analyst and strategist from the UK. He said the first step towards success is taken when you refuse to be captive of the environment in which you find yourself. You say, well, environment is making me captive. I refuse that. I'm pushing through that. I'm pushing through the limits. Norman Vincent Peale, the great encourager, he said this. He said, drop the three L's, lack, loss, limitation from your vocabulary. I believe we need to be people like that. We've got to deal with limitations and, and not speak limitations. Lack, loss, and limitation is what we're living with, but we've got to go beyond if we're going to live life to the full. And uh, some time back, I spoke about Isaac sowing in famine. In the midst of the circumstances, he believed that he could go beyond the limitations of famine, and God really blessed him. So let's have a look here in a moment at Four simple things. I'm going to spend quite a bit of time on number one, but then we'll get through all four. I felt I needed to give you all four. Number one's got enough content to make a message on its own, but I do think we need some stimulation today. And um, I want you to realize that there is more for you today. It was so good to see Lloyd leading worship. Where is he? With that, there is more on his shirt. And uh, Charlie Schultz, you know, there's, there's a lot of truth that the, the cartoonists put into their cartoons. And Charlie Schultz, you know, the Peanuts cartoon, he, he once said this, life is like a 10-speed bike. Most of us have gears we never use. God's got more. Gear up and let's live beyond limitations. So how can we live life to the full? How can we live beyond life's limits? Number one, the first thing we need is we need new thinking to rise above limitations. The way you think about limitation is incredibly important. If you think limits, you will have limits. In a book called If It Ain't Broke, Break It by Robert Kriegel and Louis Patler, they said this, we don't have a clue as to what people's limits are. All the tests, stopwatches, and finish lines in the world can't measure human potential. When someone is pursuing their dream, they'll go far beyond what seems to be their limitations. The potential that exists within us is limitless and largely untapped. And then they say this, when you think of limits, you create them. So if we have to change our thinking, let me give you six thinkings that you need. Is that good English? No, it's not, but I'm saying it. We need new kind of thinking. And here's six qualities that you need to embrace. Number one, you need a success mindset. You need a certain posture. That's why I say not just thinking, but a mindset, a success mindset. You have to think success, don't think failure. Interestingly, in 1927, um, a Saturday evening newspaper in New York ran an article in the middle of the newspaper about how it would be impossible, listen to this, it's in the middle of the newspaper, it's impossible for man to fly across the Atlantic in one go in an aeroplane. That's what the inner pages of the paper said. However, the headline says Lindbergh does it. So on the page, page one, Lindbergh does it, but inside is the expert telling you all about how it can't be done. You, you know, it, that's the way it is. Some people are experts at telling you what, what can't be done. Especially people who are in academic institutions who've never lived life or run a business. They're pumping into our young people negativity and small-mindedness. We need a success mindset. Success is not a bad word. It's a good word. It's getting it right. It's prospering. And you've got to have a mindset like that. 
The first woman to fly across the Atlantic uh, solo was Amelia Earhart, and she said, never interrupt someone doing what you said couldn't be done. A success mindset. Number two, a positive mindset. I spoke about positivity last week, but we need a positive mindset. Winston Churchill says the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. I want to ask you today, which one are you? Can you see the opportunities? Have you got a success mindset, a positive mindset? You have to train yourself. Then number three, we need a goal mindset. A goal mindset. You need to know where you're going. You need to, you need to strive to achieve beyond where you are, beyond who you are. There's a well-known athlete across the uh, 20th century by the name of Emil Zat Zatopek, and uh, he was a, a Czech, they called him the Czech locomotive. He, they say he was one of the greatest athletes of all time, but he was an ordinary man, only 1,6 meters tall. They say he was 65 kilograms when wet. <laughs> Tiny man. And this is what they say, his running style was so unorthodox, you know, the way he ran, was so unorthodox that uh, the journalist described him like this. He ran like a man stabbed in the heart with scorpions in his shoes. <laughs> and uh, you wouldn't think that someone like that could achieve a lot, but it didn't stop him from being successful. He won triple gold in the 1952 Helsinki Olympics, setting Olympic records in the 5,000 meters, in the 10,000 meters, and in the marathon. From 1949 to 1951, he won 69 consecutive races, and he ended his career with 18 world records. Short, light, unconventional style, but he had a goal in mind. And they say that when he hung up his shoes, he actually hung them on a hook in his lounge on a nail, after 18 years of running, he had run the equivalent of 80,000 kilometers, which is twice around the world. Pretty amazing thing. And uh, when they interviewed him and spoke to him, he, he says, whoever surpasses my training will also break my records. But he said this, he, he, he said, an athlete cannot run with money in his pockets. He must run with hope in his heart and dreams in his head. You've got to have a goal. Don't look at yourself and your limits. Take what you've got and develop it. Don't let life restrict you. If you're going to live it to the full, you've got to live it beyond the limits. I've tried to do that with my own life. I've tried to look at what I haven't got, and, and they go, okay, well, you know, you haven't got that, and you're not like so-and-so, and, -so, and you know, he's so much better in that area, and, and there's some great preachers and guys who built large churches, but I've taken what I have, and I've used it to the best, and while I look like I'm preaching with scorpions in my shoes sometimes, I've been able to rise above limitations because I kept the goal in mind. Number four, you need a possibility mindset. Henry David Thoreau, the great thinker, said, it's not what you look at that matters, it's what you see. You see, it's a mindset of possibilities. It's not physical seeing, it's what you see in your mind's eye. Frank McCourt, who wrote a well-known book called Angela's Ashes, he said, you might be poor, your shoes might be broken, but your mind is a palace. You see, you can have poverty in the literal sense, but if you have possibility thinking, you can push through the limits that poverty imposes on you. If you accept poverty's limits and you're waiting for someone else to free you, you'll never break free and you'll never live life to the full. And you'll always envy others who live life to the full. But if you have a possibility mindset, you can break through. 
And a lot of people are waiting for God to break through when they should actually break through. And God uses people to break through and they need possibility mindset. They need to see into the future. You know, when God was going to restore the temple under Zerubbabel, um, he spoke to Zechariah. And I want you to notice the wording here because this wording is important with us facing limitations. And the prophecy came in Zechariah 4. What are you, mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. In other words, there's this obstacle, there's this limitation, but you will be removed. But notice how. Then he, that's Zerubbabel, will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. What the prophecy is saying is this, God will reduce the limitations, but you've got to do something about it. Zerubbabel had to carry the capstone, then God will remove the limitation. And you've got to have a possibility mindset. I'm going to step out and do this, and I'm going to trust God to act with me. Instead of standing back in poverty, in limitation, there are mountains all around me. If you knew what my life was like, you wouldn't be preaching like that. No, you've got to do something, and it starts with the way you think. You cannot have an impossibility mindset. Remember this, Robert Schuller says, today's accomplishments were yesterday's impossibilities. But someone got a vision, someone saw beyond. And you know, even though we're facing limitations today, in particular areas, people feel blocked, their industry has closed down, it's happened a lot, and I'll talk about it a little bit later. I just wanna remind you, we have much more in us than we can imagine. And if you've been, you've been shut down in an area your IT business or maybe a particular restaurant, you, you've got to change tack because you, you, you don't only have one strength in your life. You know, I was reading about Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan is a great uh, musician and songwriter, probably known for his strange voice. But I mean, albums, I don't know how many albums there are, numerous albums, world famous, wealthy. But what no one knows is that Bob Dylan is an incredibly good gate maker. He welds gates and in the London uh, art gallery, there's, there's gates that he made at home that have been hung up on the wall. Not only that, he's an incredibly good artist. He has painted numerous paintings that are at the level of his music. I mean, it's pretty amazing. But we know him as a musician, yet he makes gates and he paints paintings. What have you got? Think possibilities. What's in your life? Who knows what God could do? And I'll come to that a bit later because I want to spend time with it. But it first starts with thinking, thinking. Number five, you need a future mindset. We have to think ahead. We have to think ahead. Can you picture a better future? When you have possibility thinking coupled with a future mindset, nothing can stop you. But if you live in today and you look at today's problems, you'll never get through and break through. A future mindset. Franklin D. Roosevelt once said this. He said, the only limit to our realization of tomorrow will be our doubts today. You know, you have to paint a picture of the future. When David uh, uh, came before Goliath and was about to strike him with the stone, he didn't just stand there wondering, I wonder if God will do it. He began to speak and create the future. Notice what he says here in 1 Samuel 17. He paints a picture with words of how the future looks because he's got a future mindset. And he says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. That's what's gonna happen in the future. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. You know what we need to do? We need to paint word pictures of where we're going. 
of what God can do, of what our future looks like. One day I will not be in poverty. I will not be struggling. I'll have a car that doesn't break down all the time. I will own my own house. It might not happen in three years or five years, but one day it will. And I'm trusting God, the God of prosperity, the God of blessing, the God who cares about me, the God who gave his life for me, who wants me to live the fullness of life. I'm not gonna look at life's limitations. I've got a possibility mindset, a positive mindset. I've got a success mindset, and I've got a goal mindset. And I have a future mindset, but number six, you need a prosperity mindset. A prosperity mindset. Don't think poverty, don't think not enough, even if you're living there right now. Think wealth, think blessing, think future. There's a flow of resources. Work, pray, and trust God, but don't think not enough. Always think more than enough, especially younger people starting out. You, you, you're beginning your life and you, you almost think of them in survival mode. No, think prosperity. One day we will. One day God will. If we're faithful in our tithes and offerings, faithful in managing our money as good stewards, faithful in making good purchases, not impulsive emotional purchases, God will help us to build up equity. And as we grow in our skills and as we grow in our abilities, he will prosper us. Michel de Montaigne, the French philosopher, said this, Poverty of goods is easily cured. Poverty of the mind is irreparable. You have to think differently. And when you think, believe that good times will come, uh, that prosperity is ahead, you say, well, man, we're living in such, you know what's happened to the world? No, think prosperity. You have to think prosperity. And you have to realize that God is a God of blessing. Great man called A.B. Simpson Canadian preacher and author, he said this. He said, our God has boundless resources. The only limit is us. Our asking, our thinking, our praying are too small. Our expectations are too limited. You know, there's such a negativity at the moment surrounding COVID and the economic times, and people are only reading the negative reports. But I'm gonna tell you, there are companies that have done incredibly well during COVID better than they would have done normally. Let me just read to you just three quickly here, uh, and this is about car sales. Bugatti, one of the most expensive brands in the world. Stephen Winkleman, who is the head of Bugatti, was surprised at how well the 112-year-old brand has survived the uh, pandemic. He says, Bugatti did incredibly well, and the third record-breaking year in a row. He said, we are not seeing recessionary behavior, we are seeing a post-war boom. After every negativity and every recession, there is a boom and a demand for goods and services. People can't wait to get out and eat in restaurants, wait to get out and buy clothing, wait to get out and furnish their homes, wait to get out and enjoy life. It's coming. Got to have a future mindset and a prosperity mindset. What about Bentley? Bentley's Adrian Hallmark told a journalist that they delivered 11,200 vehicles in 2020, up 1.8% year on year, and the highest in their 101 year history. He said, we began 2020 with the strongest order bank since 2003, and 2021 we started with 50% more orders than January before. Our sales right now are 30% above last year. Wait, I'm not done, Porsche. I have to mention Porsche. Their boss, Oliver Bloom, said 2020 was an exceptional year and revenue reached an all-time high with 23.7 billion rand in 2020, 
surpassing nine, tw- 2009, sorry, 2019 by more than 100 million. They made 1 billion rand more than the year before. And we've been through COVID. We went into a shop together to look for a chest of drawers that we were wanting to buy. We changed our minds, but nonetheless, we got out with our double masks and we were looking for a chest of drawers. And we went into a shop that we bought from numerous, numerous times in, uh, in Eastgate, just down the road. And we spoke to the owner. We said, oh, I haven't seen you for ages. And nice to see you. How are you? And he said, man, I'm doing well. His name's Justin. And uh, uh, the shop's called Begin with the End in Mind. So go and have a look. I'd really create a furniture. And I said to him, you know, almost asking like, like a doctor, you know, how are you? And he said, man, people have been cooped up in their homes for an entire year. And you know what? They've got bored with their furniture, bored with everything around them. And they've been contacting us and buying online. And we had our best year yet. And here's me thinking, because I haven't been in. Nothing's happened. No, you need to think prosperity. You've got to change your thinking if you're gonna push through the limits of life. Number two, are you good? We must be able to stand pain to rise above limitations. Limitations will only be broken through when you increase your pain threshold. Ask any athlete, if you can't handle pain, then you can't make progress. And if you risk averse, then you will be pain averse because pain is part of breaking through. And uh, we need a spirit that says, no matter what's done to me, I will not give up. I will not change my belief system. I will not reconstruct my faith. I will not reduce the level of my faith. I'm going to keep pressing through and believing God for progress. Mark Batterson wrote a very good book called Double Blessing. If you get a chance to read it sometime, he is an incredible author. And in the book, he quotes the New York Times. They wrote an article about the Finnish people, the Finns from Finland. And uh, they, they titled the article, Saisu, a word that explains Finland. And Saisu is a word that the Finns used to describe themselves. And it's bravado, bravery, ferocity, tenacity, the ability to keep fighting after most people would have quit and to fight with a will to win. And they translate it into Saisu or the Finnish spirit. In other words, no matter how much pain you're experiencing, and their athletes and their army are marked by this quality. They will go through the snow, they will go through pain, they will keep on going until they have won. Have you got that spirit? If you have that spirit, you can break through limitations. But if any little inconvenience or pain gets you down, you will not be able to break through limitations. And... Uh, He says, the typical Finn is an obstinate sort of fellow who believes in getting the better of bad fortune by proving he can stand worse. In other words, I'll show you, no matter how bad it gets, I'll keep going. That's the person that will break through limitations. You just keep pressing on. Can you stand pain? If you can't, you will never get beyond limitations because anyone who has broken through limitations in business, in church, or in athletics, or in any area, has been able to stand pain. And we need to be able to handle pain. I was reading about this man, Andrew Thornton. He was, uh, they called it a hitter, not a batter. He was a hitter with the uh, baseball team, the Cleveland Indians, uh, for 10 years, and he's quite widely known, a very good baseball player, uh, a Christian, serves God. But he was on his way to visit his family with, you know, uh, his extended family. And he had his wife in the car with his daughter. 
and his son, and he was on his way to his sister because she was getting married. And as they traveled through Cleveland in the snow, he was in an accident. He didn't even realize he was in an accident. Next minute, he woke up, and he was in a hospital bed. And his son was next to him in the same room. And, uh, he, you know, what happened? What happened? And then they came in and told him, your wife and your daughter had made it. How many of you know, no matter how much success you have in life, you know what kind of pain that is. Now you're in bed as well, and there's your son, and you didn't even know how it happened, whether it's your fault or not. And he pressed through that and uh, pushed through the pain and didn't blame God. And when he was spoken to, he said numerous things, but I want to quote what he said. He said, I know that Christ was there with us in the midst of our most difficult moments. The Lord's strength upheld my son and me and allowed us to go on. I think the greatest thing I learned at that point is that our God is faithful. You know, we sang that today. Do you believe that God is faithful even though there's loss? Some of you have lost family members. You've lost people around you. You say, well, how can God be faithful? I've lost. I've lost business. I've lost. No, no, in the midst of it, you need to be like him and have a size. You need to come out and hit again. You come out and bat again. Yeah, but I'm hurting. It doesn't matter. You, you, you need to hit when, when you're hurting. Because if you don't know how to push through pain, you'll never push through limitations. Number three, we need to, we must push back against our limitations. Is this helping anyone in the room? I hope it's helping someone online. We must push back against limitations. I don't know if you notice it, but life's pushing you. It's not neutral. You don't wake up in the morning and life is neutral. Gravity's pulling you down and life is pushing you back. And during COVID with the restrictions, we are being pushed back and we have to push back against it. Not in rebellion. We need to have a resistance that says you will not knock me down. In Psalm 118, David says this. He says, I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. And then I love Psalm 44. It says, only by your power can we push back our enemies. Only in your name can we trample our foes. You need to push back when life pushes you down. And you know, one of the most classic examples I can think of, of this, we don't have time to read it, is in 2 Kings 4, it's the story of the woman at Shunem. How many of you know that story? The wealthy woman who was given a son as she looked after Elisha. She was blessed with a son, but then her son dies. She doesn't say, well, you know, at least I had a son, and you know, he didn't live to a ripe old age. She goes and she pursues Elisha, and, and she, she goes and finds him, and she pushes back against the limitations of death. And here's an amazing thing. When she gets to him, I want you to notice the wording. This sort of jumped out at me when I was praying and reading. I said, this is amazing. 2 Kings 4. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She's deeply troubled, and the Lord has not told me what it is. You see, there'll be people who will tell you, ah, just leave it. Don't trouble, remember with Jairus? Don't trouble the teacher, your daughter is dead. Jesus said, no, she's not dead, she's just asleep. You've got to push back against limitations. And here Elisha sends Gehazi, and there'll always be Gehazis in your life. They have a semblance of spirituality. Gehazi goes there, he's already pushed her away, he goes there with the staff, nothing, he comes back, nothing's happened. Elisha goes there, he lies on the boy, he prays several times, the boy sneezes, and he comes back to life. Why? Because they pushed against limitations. 
We've got to push back against our limitations, even death in our lives. We've got to believe that God can raise us up again. And limitations will haunt you from the time you're a teenager, in fact, younger than teens, even when you go to school. Dr. Benji Francis Brooks sorry, was the first woman in Texas to become a board-certified pediatric surgeon. She operates on children, specializes in burn victims, and she knew she was going to be a doctor from the age of four. She used to operate on her sister's dolls, and uh, she learned to read at four. At 19, she finished university. But guess what? When she was in fifth grade, her, her teachers wrote a letter to her parents, and you know what they said? Your daughter is mentally retarded. I mean, talk about the contrast. And parents, I want to encourage you, there will be times when your teachers at school don't get it right because they see limits, but God doesn't see limitations. And you need to help your kids break through. She couldn't handle, she says, I, I marched to a different drummer. I couldn't handle sitting in boring classrooms. There was really little to do. And you know how much in school? In school, they teach you stuff that you don't need in real life. Why should they teach you leadership and relationships? It's all you're going to need in life. No, they teach you all sorts of weird stuff that you're never going to use until your mind glazes over. I remember Matt, X plus Y equals E to the power of two. To those I'd be like, I used to yawn until my jaw got unlocked. That was my school years because that's not my area of gifting. But I think I've done reasonably well in life. You've got to be careful that people don't, life doesn't push you back and people don't push you back and Christians don't push you back. And she pushed back against it she said uh, that she's had, you know, she became professor of surgery at the Dallas, uh, Texas Medical School, and uh, she achieved great heights, and she said, I really didn't fit into that sausage mill, to come out like a little sausage like everybody else. Unfortunately, that's what the educational system does to children. At times, it takes away their creativeness and the fact that they are different. We've got to push back. To push back. And you know what life will do? Life will push you from the time you're young, but you've got to push back. And it will try and puncture you if you're not careful. Many of you would know the singer Sting, and uh, some of you may have heard of the entrepreneur by the name of Tim Janigan. The two of them got together and they developed a soccer ball, and that soccer ball has been sent into impoverished areas, refugee camps, uh, conflict zones, and UN hotspots all around the world. What they noticed as they traveled around, they've been around to those places, they discovered that because of the poverty, the kids kick tin cans around, and they wrap up rubbish with, you know, with, um, with masking tape and that, and that's what they use. And if they have a soccer ball, because of the impoverished environment, the soccer ball soon gets punctured, and they can't fix it. So they designed a soccer ball that's got a 30-year life. You can stab it with a knife. You can't deflate it. And it just lasts and lasts. Even in the harshest circumstances, the ball keeps going. And you know, when I read the story, I realized that's what we need to be like. No matter how stabbed we are, no matter how much pain we're in, we just keep bouncing back and we keep going forward. Can you handle pain? Can you push back? Those soccer balls push back. Someone stabs it, it pushes back. Someone kicks it against a, an iron bar, it pushes back. We need to be the same during COVID. There are limitations, but we push back and we don't allow it to defeat us. Man, it's so easy to give in and to give up in today's world. Let me start moving to a close. Number four, we must believe we have something from God to offer the world. You say, why do you say that? 
Because people, when their one area of expertise is closed down, they give up on life. And you've got something to offer the world that you don't even know you have. You've got to think differently. If you believe you only have one gift in your life, guess what? When that one gift is hindered or restricted, you will be completely stranded. Isn't that true? You've got to think out the box. I've got more than one gift. In fact, the Bible tells us that in Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, God has given each of us, watch this, the ability to do certain things well, plural. In the NIV, it says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. That's not just for church. That's gifts in life. Isn't that true? So you can't solve the just cook. You've got other gifts. You can cook extremely well. But if the kitchen were closed, you would survive because you've got other gifts. What are your gifts, Kaizen? You've got more than one gift. What did you do before you came into church? You weren't a preacher or a pastor doing marriages, speaking from the platform. But guess what? Guess what's been unlocked? You see, all of us have got more than one gift. And we need to recognize in life that your business is closed in an area. There are other areas. I think it was Jonathan Swift who said, it is in men as in soils where sometimes there is a vein of gold which the owner knows not of. Man, you need to unlock your abilities. And when one door closes, push another open. You say, well, uh, you know, our business has gone through. Well, what else can you do? I remember when my mom lost her job and she would change jobs and she didn't earn as much. Guess what she did? She ended up joining a friend of hers in running a kiosk, a, a kiosk uh, like a spaza shop at a soccer field. And I used to join her. And we would sell rolls of sweets and toffees and coffees and hot dogs. And I was behind the counter. How many? Four. Throw the sausage in. Man, I learned how to do production. That's probably where I learned my shoe skills. Squirt, mustard, squirt tomorrow. In the paper, wrap it up, bring it to the front. There you go. Because it's a long queue. And there's only 15 minutes between in half time. But she was there working. Just hang on. I'll take your money. Give me some change. Okay, he wants four of those. Bring me a coffee. Don't spill it. And a cold Coke. And... Man, I learned some skills. Later on, when we're running our own shop, I'll be with you in a moment. Try number, try number six on. We'll be, would you get me another pair? We were able to produce and sell. Why? Because there's more than one skill. You've got something to offer the world. But if you allow limitations to block you, COVID, there's no money. You know, this country sucks. You know, it's only certain people who get contracts. And if you're not part of the ANC, you're not this. No! You've got something to offer the world. You've got something to offer the world. Discover who God has made you to be. As I moved to a close, Sarah Blakely was a billionaire. She's a billionaire now, sorry. She's the founder of Spanx. Some of you know what Spanx are. Don't raise your hand. It's underwear that keeps everything in and makes you look thin. But before she invented Spanx, she worked for seven years in her 20s selling uh, office supplies door to door. But then one day she designed this underwear, it took off, and today she is worth $750 million. I don't know how much money that is, but it's about the budget of South Africa. Ronald Reagan was a Hollywood actor before he became the 40, 40th president of America at 69. He was older than me when he became the president. Can I just remind you, if you're thinking that I should hand over this church and resign, I've got life in me. I'm still discovering gifts I didn't know I had. Just a bit of laughter there. And then Vera Wang. If 
Vera Wang is one of the most famous handbag designers and, de and clothing designers in the world, but she was a speed skater, uh, sorry, a, a skater and a journalist before she embarked on becoming the premier woman's designer that she is. She's worth $650 million today. Be flexible. You've got something to offer the world, and you've got more than one gift. Isn't that the truth? I read about Roland Hayes, and I'll tell you two stories before I close. A black man, he was born in poverty in the cotton fields down south in America. His father died. A tree fell on him. Mother took them to another city and tried to make ends meet. But he knew he had something. He knew he could sing. But no one believed in him. So you know what he did? He went around selling tickets to his own concert. Ended up making $2,000 in 1925. Do you know how much money that was? And as a result of that concert, other people saw him and booked him. He then decided to go and sing in England. So he went on his own bat, flew to England, and sang there, but ran out of money because he wasn't known in England and he was black. Guess what? His friend says to him, you know what? I want you to come and sing in church on Sunday. My pastor says he'd like to hear you sing. He hears you're a good singer. He sings in church. Guess who's in the audience? The king and queen of England. They invite him to Buckingham Palace. At Buckingham Palace, there's the famous Caruso, one of the greatest tenors in the world, listening to this young tenor. This man became so famous, he traveled all around. He was the first black man to sing at Carnegie Hall in the United States. He ended up so wealthy, so rich, ended up buying the slave land he grew up on with the money he had earned. There's a museum in his honor. Why? He had something that he knew he could offer the world, and he wouldn't let limitation restrict him. And that's what we need in South Africa. People not looking to government, but getting on with knowing I've got something in me. I'm not inferior. I am superior if I belong to God and I can live life to the full if I push back against life's limitations and I know I've got more than one gift in my life. You know what I think sometimes? I think people are walking around dead inside. They are dead inside and they're putting on a smile and they're even saying hallelujah. You know, you can practice that. Go to any church in the world and people say hallelujah. They've all got ways of saying hallelujah. They, you can say something that's not in your heart. Inside there's no hope. You're dead. You're not living life to the full. And life has restricted you and limited you. And we've got to come back to life because Jesus wants us to have life and life more abundantly. One last quote here because I have to read this. It's by a man called Ogmandino. He wrote a book called The Greatest Miracle in the World. And I want to read this to you. You can read it with me on the screen. He says, most humans in varying degrees are already dead. In one way or another, they have lost their dreams, their ambitions, their desire for a better life. They have surrendered their fight for self-esteem and they have compromised their great potential. They have settled for a life of mediocrity, days of despair and nights of tears. They are no more than living deaths confined to cemeteries of their choice. Yet, they need not remain in that state. They can be resurrected from their sorry condition. They can each perform the greatest miracle in the world. They can each come back from the dead. You know what I want God to do today? I want you to come back from the dead. Dead in here and dead in here and start having a future mindset, a success mindset, a prosperity mindset, a goal mindset and start to believe that God can do something. You've got something to give the world. Push back against the limitations and say, no, I can take the heat. I can take the pain. Saisu. I've got that spirit, and I'm going to trust God to take me into the future. You see, Jesus says, as I've come that you might have life, and life to the full. You know what he wants to do? He, the Bible says that when you come to Christ, you actually rise from the dead. You are dead in your sins. You come to life. But then you know what? You get eternal life. 
So you get life now and you get life then. Let's make sure as Christians we're not living in less than what God's given us. If today you don't know him, you can know him. You can pray a prayer with me right now as I close and you can have life and live life to the full and you can have life in eternity, life eternal through Jesus Christ. Why not rise from the deadness of your sin and the deadness of your life and believe him for more today? Come, pray with me and let's join in the room and pray this prayer. Thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus, who came to give us life. We receive that life and we rise to life. Free us, Lord, from the deadness of our sins and give us new life and give us eternal life. We receive you today. We believe in you today and we trust you for more, for fullness of life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 